0: Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is September fifteenth. We've been gone for a while, but we are back, and I'm Eric Planey.
1: I am Lucas Finco.
0: Together, we're back on the boat. Together as the pirates <laughs> of Clean Tech. Yar. Yar! Oh, yeah. I feel like we've been on some Caribbean beach for the last two months, right?
1: Well, I have been. I don't know about you. <laughs>
0: I haven't seen a beach in the last two months, but it was nice to take a little bit of a pirate's break as we're working on other parts of our lives. Right.
1: Yeah. How's my tan? You like my tan?
0: You have no tan. Oh, whatever. I have more tan than you. And I wasn't even on the beach.
1: That's beautiful. I never even used sunblock. It's just.
0: Oh, I have to use sunblock. Let's just (laughs) say, uh, (laughs) let's just say I burned like a crispy something or other. I don't know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Today is a special day, only for the fact that it is our first time back in almost two months after taking some holiday. But this is not a full episode of Pirates. This is a preview. That's right, Lucas. It's a preview. Is it? Yes. Okay. Of our our new season, which will start next week in conjunction with New York City Climate Week. Yay. Yeah. And not only is it uh, the beginning of season five, but it's a really special episode because next week, our first episode back is episode number 50. Yes. What is that? The Diamond Celebration? What is 50?
1: I think it is Diamond. I think you're right on that one. Yeah, I'll look it up.
0: I think it's Diamond. So our Diamond episode, and we are not going to give it away, but we are really happy to say it looks like we are going to have a guest that just exceeds all expectations for who we would have for a guest for season five and for episode 50. So we are going to be very excited about that. And since Lucas and I were gone for so long, we thought, you know what? Why don't we have a little warm-up episode to preview what's to come and also to kind of shake the rust off our uh, fantastic podcasting speaking abilities. (laughs) Not. not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Yeah, you want to do some articles? What do you think?
0: Yeah. I think we have one each because we don't, you know, we have a lot of articles for next week. A lot has been going on. It's amazing how we took the summer off, but really clean tech did not take the summer off and clean energy policy certainly did not. And that is a fantastic thing. So congratulations to all of those people in the clean tech community that have been working so hard over the summer, Uh, like Lucas, like myself, we all deserve a drink.
1: Yeah, The infrastructure bill and the IRA. It's a lot of things happening. It's very exciting.
0: You know, and where my uh, great little company, Solarlock operates on the border of Massachusetts and New York, the state of Massachusetts also passed an incredibly comprehensive uh, clean energy bill uh, right around the same time that President Biden signed Inflation Reduction Act. So there's some really good things happening on the state and local level, too. And we should really applaud those leaders, political leaders, for doing what the people want. Yep. All right. That's well put. All right. Should we do an article or two?
1: Here we go. You're going
0: first. Am I going first? Yeah. All right. Michael Whalen, CNBC, September 13th. Why Toyota, the world's largest automaker, isn't all in on electric vehicles. This is a fantastic article. Uh, It's really comprehensive and it's really worth digging into because Toyota, who is the king and the original king of hybrid vehicles, has come under scrutiny, as the article said, by some environmentalist groups for its cautiousness on investing in fully electric. It doesn't believe the company, and they've said this for a while, they've been consistent, that battery electric vehicles are the only solution to producing a more sustainable vehicle and achieving carbon neutrality. Here's a a statistic, and again, I'm just reading the key points here. Toyota has a goal to produce three and a half million EVs by 2030, which would be more than a third of its current sales, while rival automakers promise to exclusively offer such vehicles. Wow. So I think Toyota has come under scrutiny because they, a lot of people who are criticizing it for being a leader in hybrids. Remember, Toyota was the catalyst before Tesla in getting the vehicle to be more green. Yet they're being criticized right now because they still believe in the hybrid model. And also Toyota, similar to other Japanese-Korean automakers, especially in their home market in Asia, are also focusing on hydrogen vehicles as hydrogen is becoming more of a conversation within those countries to source a myriad of power and not just automobiles. But Toyota talks about in this article, which is really well done, the scarcity of precious metals and materials that go into lithium ion batteries and EV batteries. Talks about how hybrids generally, uh, they've been an expert in them. It talks about the cost of hybrids, the cost of a brand new uh, 2022 Prius, I think it's 25000 while well, their first all-in electric vehicle, which I think is called the, the BX4, I can't remember, is, is approaching, I think, $45,000. Yeah, the BZ4X yeah. electric crossover is $45,000. I wanted to bring this article up because it talks a lot. Toyota is definitely migrating to have a strong portfolio of EVs. But if we really want to get to where we need to and there's a scarcity in battery materials right now, why couldn't we and why couldn't automakers be looking at a 100% portfolio of hybrid and electric vehicles but focusing on hybrids? And the point I always wanted to make, if all the OEMs out there focused on hybrids only for the next five years, five years from now when battery prices come down and more people and first adopters can afford electric vehicles, Mm -hmm. And there's a whole plethora of hybrid vehicles out there. So lower income families, especially in America, can afford a hybrid vehicle because right now in this year of horribly high gas prices, who gets disproportionately affected? It's people of lower incomes in the United States because the gasoline bill is of a higher percentage for them. Many people, especially in larger cities who are lower income, have longer commutes to their job because they have to live farther out of the nicer suburbs, if you will. So a lot of times they even have longer commutes. So the gasoline bill hits them harder. If hybrids were around and more of hybrids were around and used vehicles, used hybrids were, if we created that system with with some coordination from the US government, from Department of Transportation, country would be in a much better shape and we'd be achieving our goal of less carbon being uh, placed in the atmosphere from vehicles. So I like this article for not just the reason criticizing Toyota. I think Toyota has a valid point. I think we should have been smarter about uh, our hybrid transition to uh, full on battery electric. So great article. Great article to start off our warm up to season 5.
1: Yeah, I mean I totally agree with you. I think I think going 100% hybrid would have been an easy doable way to get way more efficiency out of our vehicles sooner. Like you said, to build up the battery industry and everything. I just think that's so much more logical. I mean, you look at GM and VW, and they're just barreling headfirst in EVs. And I'm just worried about what the consequences are going to be. I mean, what if, well, I'm worried they're going to stop R&D on hybrids and ICE engines. And then if they get to a point where they can't get enough materials for EVs, what are they going to do? They don't have the R&D going for ICE engines anymore. Uh, yeah they could be charging off a cliff so something Great. like go 100 percent hybrid makes so much more sense you get so much efficiency out of it um yeah I'm, i just i totally agree with you i wish toyota would do that they don't say they're gonna do that though right uh, i do say there, that in here
0: there's a little bit of hedging in here by toyota um they just said they don't assume uh, that 100% of the market is going to be electric for them, right? Yeah. And so I get it. I totally get it. I think, to your point, I think Hyundai has already come out and said, I think we had this in an article, that they are going to cease doing R&D for ICE vehicles, uh, engines. A part of it also is another article we read a while ago said, you know, you're, getting, you're squeezing just about as much efficiency out of an uh, internal combustion engine right now with all the technology yeah so if you your incremental dollar spent on r and d is not going to yield that much more of a savings, right yeah again, the hybrid makes so much sense because if the average commute in the United States is thirty miles and you have a hybrid in which you know two thirds of your commute is on electric uh then you're substantially reducing the carbon footprint of consumer automobiles, yeah but you know general motors I thought they were you know as much as they're doing so much in e v s and they should be applauded for that. I also thought it was short-sighted when it was maybe two years ago, three years ago that they cut their mild hybrid Chevy Malibu sedan and they stopped making and (laughs) I'm sure maybe sales were lagging, but you know, when gas prices would have shot up as they did this year, that mild hybrid also would have shot up in popularity, especially for Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, right? Who really, you know, gasoline costs are a substantial part of their uh, investment into their career.
1: Uh, So, Okay.
0: This is a good article. I really appreciate it. Uh, good job by CNBC. I thought it was very detailed and they should be applauded for that.
1: Yeah, cool. That okay.
0: is my preview article. Lucas, you okay. got something incredibly interesting. is
1: my preview article. Okay. <laughs> in case you can't see this, this is uh, some sort of artist's conception of a wild, wacky mirror in space um, reflecting sunlight down to us. So, Vice has this interesting article from Motherboard which is tech by Vice. Uh, this man is trying to put mirrors in space to generate solar power at night. What? This is a really good idea. I've heard this before. I know some people have tried it. This is really interesting. This is from from uh, Thoby Campion, September 12th uh, on vice.com. 26-year-old inventor, entrepreneur, this guy, Ben, he wants to use mirrors. So... You know, this. everybody knows this problem of your solar panels don't do anything when the sun's not shining. And so you're limited to about a 30% capacity factor. But if you could put a mirror up in space where the sun is still shining and reflect that light back down, you could get better usage out of the same solar panel. You wouldn't have to change your equipment or anything. So that's what he wants to do. And so actually, this is not a new idea. It has been tried before many times. Um, They proposed one in 77. In 88, uh, Russia successfully deployed a 65-foot mirror into orbit, sending a five-kilometer-wide beam of light traipsing across Europe. (laughs) And it says here that in 2017, a Norwegian bookkeeper erected large rotatable mirrors on a mountain above the town to combat seasonal depression. (laughs) And also China has a project, building giant uh, orbiting reflectors to replace streetlights. And the University of Glasgow also. So, yeah, this is not like a a unique idea. You know, they talk about this young man who's very uh, inventive and built this um, fusion reactor in his garage and UAV. Um, So I I just thought that um, it's really... Exciting to see young people engaged and working hard on things they're passionate about and things they dream about because that's where innovation comes from. And these are the kind of people who make things happen.
0: Yeah. At first it's a great article. Uh, I loved uh, reading it. It got me thinking that he probably watched like a, a James Bond marathon, because I'm pretty sure the solar mirror, solar ray gun in space destroying the world was the plot of like three different James Bond movies. But to your point, it's an innovative idea. It has been discussed about. And for a young man at age 26 to really put a lot of detail into this thinking about how the power would be captured and transported back into the earth itself and then captured and, and distributed, there's some really innovative thinking here. And you need these types of conversations. Whether this technology works or not, You do need to have these conversations to stimulate other ideas that may be more practical or may be easier to implement over the next several years as opposed to this project, which can take decades. So I absolutely agree, hats off to him. It is fun, it is innovative, Um, it may actually work. Of course, I question how much would this cost relative to other technologies that can get us down to our 2050 UN goals. So we always talk about the discipline of using capital uh, in its scarcity in the right way to get to 2050 goals. But I think it's really, really cool. And he should absolutely be applauded. And I hope people of significance in academia that track solar read this article and open up this young gentleman to their ideas and to bring him into their fold so they can, you know, he can really do something meaningful in his future.
1: Yeah. I mean, you make a good point, but I think with all the space startups now, the cost is decreasing rapidly. And from his prototype, it looks like something that is not going to break. Uh, And he could possibly load many of these onto a very uh, low-cost satellite. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what his financials look like.
0: I mean, look, you know, maybe Jeff Bezos, instead of launching his phallic rocket uh, with his space (laughs) tourists... Maybe a Jeff Bezos would actually say this is worth taking a look at and using his resources uh, to, for this, for the betterment of the world. Because launching Taurus in the phallic space rocket is not my idea of efficient use of capital. Uh, <laughs> there's so much. No. He does not get a hall pass for me. Richard Branson does because Richard Branson has done so much already for environmental stewardship when others were not. But there's a distinct difference between those two people. But Yeah, This is a great article. Uh, It's a great find, for sure. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back, right? I feel like we, you know, just feel like we did our last episode last week.
1: Yeah, we missed everybody, so we're looking forward to episode 50, and do not miss it. Tell all your friends, and we'll see what climate week, right? We're going to be at the networking event, doing a lot of networking.
0: Are we? And were we going to that event?
1: Are we? I guess. I don't know.
0: You know, for those that are participating in New York City Climate Week, let me just ask this. As fun it is to network, right, let's just not keep our eye off the ball with so many conferences going on where people are kind of applauding themselves for speaking. You know, make sure we get good information, we transfer good ideas, and then we follow up with, like, you know, really strong movement because we can't afford to waste time anymore. And there's a lot of money flowing from the U.S. government, from state governments, So this this is a great opportunity for many people, but let's be as smart and effective as possible. But you know what? I just realized we are so rusty because I forgot to mention that the views and opinions expressed by Lucas and myself as Pirates of Clean Tech are solely those of ourselves and not any organizations or institutions that we may be affiliated with. For any companies that we talked about that are public entities that have publicly traded securities, We ask you to talk to an investment representative, a registered one, a true advisor, to get any opinion before buying any securities that we may have discussed the underlying companies on this particular podcast.
1: And as always, you can find us on your favorite podcasting venue. We're on about a dozen podcasting venues. A lot of people use uh, Apple Podcasts, for instance. And you just search for parts of Cleantech and you hit subscribe uh, or follow. And then we're also on YouTube. If you want to see us again, you just hit subscribe. You hit the little alarm bell. So you get notified when uh, our video is posted.
0: I am excited. I'm excited for next week and our guest. I'm a little bit nervous too. You know, this is uh this is one of our biggest guests we'll, uh, we have had. It may ever have. So we've had big guests. Come on. We've had some really big guests, great guests, you know, and, and I, th- I think about one. we'll talk about this, maybe a little more next week on our 50th episode, but, how many times did we find guests that were uh, perfectly timed with events and crises in the world of energy, like in in Germany with regards to the Ukraine situation, in, in Texas after the big uh, the big freeze Beautiful. years ago? Yep. No? Uh, we've had some incredible guests, no doubt.
1: Okay, okay, let's go. We'll we'll see you next week.
0: We'll see you next week. Everyone have a <laughs> great great weekend. Talk soon. Okay. I'm, Eric I'm Eric Planey. I'm Eric Planey.
1: I'm Lucas Ficko.
0: not forget this, and we are the Pirates. Clean tech. Yeah